Hi there, I'm Jake. Hi, I'm Krista. Uh, what do you know about DCOMs, Krista? Nothing. I watched uh, High School Musical and, and oh. Camp Rock. Oh, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> and I watched all of them. <laughs> all of them? Yeah, it was like an event in our house. <laughs> so join us for a DCOM deep dive where we're going to watch and review every single one. Hello there, future Jake here, or should I say present Jake. Anyway, there were some audio issues with this one. I cleaned it up. It's pretty good, but uh, you'll notice. So sorry about that. And uh, we'll see you next week with hopefully better audio. Today we watched Don't Look Under the Bed. <laughs> Don't say it like that. Today we watched. Yeah, I'm just keeping this in a little bit. No, no. Yeah, this is good. Okay, fine. Whatever. Don't Look Under the Bed. That's what we watched. Don't Look Under the Bed. It premiered October 9th, 1999. <laughs> I am trying to remember the premiere. I really don't. And I kind of forgot to look stuff up because the last time we recorded was May 9th. And now it's October. Or sorry, September 10th. Not October. <laughs> not October 9th. Yeah, September 10th. <laughs> so yeah, we we finally, our very first podcast dropped um, this Tuesday. So that's how far ahead we are, which, you know, you have busy lives. So we thought, let's get a little bit ahead and then... I mean, summers, yeah. We went on vacation. I got in a car wreck. I'm okay, everybody. But uh, it was just, it was wild. So, yeah. Uh, a lot of unexpected. So, on to the movie. Yeah, I mean, my memory of this movie, I don't remember. I don't remember the if I saw the premiere at all. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember watching it, though. And I remember I didn't watch it all the way through the first time. I caught the last <laughs> half of it. And, like, really wanted to watch it and then watch the first half later. Oh, okay, yeah. Even though I was eight, I was like, I, I still got to see the full picture. <laughs> so, uh, do you want to give us a plot summary? Yes. Francis Bacon McCausland. Is that how you say your name? I don't know. I looked up how to spell <laughs> it, but anyway. <laughs> Francis Bacon McCausland uh, starts seeing some strange happenings around her neighborhood slash town of Middleburg. There are dogs on roofs. There are eggs on cars. There's bees everywhere, like the letter B. Actually, there's bees in the principal's office, like the animal bee. And everyone's starting to think it's her who's doing these things, but it's not her. But suddenly, she starts to see Larry, a guy who no one else can see who claims to be an imaginary friend chasing after after the boogeyman and they end up yeah that's who the bee is they're chasing after the boogeyman yeah the boogeyman is the one doing all this stuff and at the end of the movie you discover or should we wait to reveal what we discover spoilers okay, spoilers well, i mean this is an old movie spoilers. <laughs> it's from 1999 and, so if you haven't seen it already <laughs> we're spoiling everything and this one was not played that much okay there's a reason for that why did you find the reason? No. Okay. So I did a little digging on it and I found some some information that made it sound like this is the way it went, but it was kind of vague. So it was one of the only DCOMs at the time, at least, to be given a PG rating. What? And after it came out, um, they got a lot of derogatory mail. And so uh, because of that, they kind of either lessened the airing or stopped airing it as much so it's kind of it was kind of like disney pushed the edge a little bit and people didn't like it so yeah 
if I were to make, you know, a comparison, um, I hardly remember them playing Can of Worms, right? And right. then, like, Halloween Town and Xenon, they played all the time, especially Halloween Town every year. But this one, and there's a lot of Halloween ones, this one would pop up once every two or three years for Halloween. Like, it would, it would come on and... Uh, and then in later years, it would be on at like 2 a.m. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah, apparently, yeah, people were really scared by it. And I'll be honest, this one was creepy. I thought it was the creepiest one we had seen so far. Yeah, sure. I agree with that. For, for sure. sure. I don't remember this scaring me as much as the villain in Halloween Town did. Really? Yeah, I remember that scene in the theater kind of got me. Oh, this is a little bit as a kid just like ugh but it it was fine like I knew it was a movie and I knew and then this didn't scare me at all that's so weird because even as an adult I was a little on edge I'm kind of sensitive to scary though yeah but I was a little on edge because they I think what this movie did really well is they like really hint at the bad guy but they don't like they take their time revealing him and in that way it kind of reminded me of season one of Stranger Things where like they hint about Vecna or is it Vecna the first one? No, no Vecna is like the, season four. What's the first one? The Demogorgon. The Demogorgon. They hint at the Demogorgon and they don't really reveal him and then once you see him he's almost not as scary. Yeah. That's what I that's kind of what this one made me think of is like oh it's the hint of scary and like these creepy things keep happening and Anyway, we'll get more into that. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the fashion. Well, maybe it didn't scare me because, like, the worst thing he's doing is putting dogs on the roof, throwing <laughs> eggs on a car. Like, it's not It's not like, oh, man, people are dying. They're all going down. It's like, oh, dogs on the roof again. Yeah, but you know he's, like, going for her. Like, he wants her, and that's kind of a distraction. And so, like, to me, I'm like, what's he going to do once he gets her? Yeah, I guess Kidney was like, I don't think he's going to do anything if this is all he's up to. (laughs) But to be fair, I wasn't, I was never scared during movies much as a kid. It was always in the middle of the night when I thought about the movie. And I, I don't remember thinking about this one. I don't remember this one creeping me out. I don't remember. It might have. It's definitely a possibility, but I really, I don't remember. I thought this one was very creepy on several levels, but we'll get to that. Uh... Okay, you ready for fashion? Yeah, because there was a lot. Slash set. I have a set item. <laughs> um, I really loved she had a jean uh, with a jean vest with a lattice. Uh, I don't know what to call that. Lattice lacing with the jean part. Uh, yeah, I definitely love that. Tons of overalls. There's always so many overalls in these. Like, just... So many. Uh, the cool Larry Houdini. He had that small hoop earring. He had so many outfits. and he had like so many outfits. But his cool outfit had the small hoop earring. Yeah. And then, like, these sunglasses that were just very dated. <laughs> By the way, Larry Houdini, I didn't say the full name. That's the name of the imaginary friend. Yes. Yeah. Um, he has an open, like, well, white shirt underneath, but open short-sleeved Hawaiian shirt on top. She wears these carpet bag purse, which is just horrible. It's just horrible. I didn't I think that. Bags. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I know it's a derogatory term for people from the north who took advantage of the south. Really? Yeah, carpet baggers. I have never heard of that. Yeah, they were like 
maybe it's because you're not from there but <laughs> there's like you know it's an old term yeah so during reconstruction after the civil war you know economy is not so great in the south really not so great in america but the north benefited just by winning right and so they right. sent people biz, smart businessmen were like i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna buy some cheap stuff and scoop up some good prices and take advantage oh, like of the it music man he had a carpet bag. Yeah, and they were called carpet baggers, and they were not looked favorably upon. Well, I, I think it's called a carpet bag. It has like, it's like a fabric purse that has a pattern, and it looks like a throw pillow, and I just hate it. Yeah, it's like that, but much bigger. Yeah, like well, more suitcasey. Yeah. Uh, they had, she has these like black clunky shoes that she wore that are definitely back in style. I like saw those and was like, wow, the 90s really are coming back. Yep. So, uh, so hard. Uh, I put ba-bangs. <laughs> That's, was there a lot of bangs? No, it's just the mom's haircut was so... She had very thick bangs. The, like, single French braid with the bangs is just a very classic look in my eyes. And it's a very voluminous uh, French braid. I don't know how else to describe it better than that. But to me, it was just like... I actually really like that look. I think it's kind of nice. <laughs> Um, and then the other one that the mom wore was she had this Chinese inspired outfit and she had chopsticks in her hair, which was definitely something I did. Was that at the dinner? Yes. Yeah, that kind of was a thing in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. Like those Chinese, I forget, there's a word for it, the Chinese dress and the chopsticks in the hair. Yeah, I actually have a story about the Chinese chopsticks. Oh? Yes. Um, so my friend, Lindsay, shout out to Lindsay, uh, <laughs> she uh, had some Chinese chopsticks that she had in her hair, um, like in music class, and I think we had a study hall or something, and anyway, she let me like try it, and my hair was just so much thicker than her that when I tried to twist twisted around I broke it because uh, I she like explained how to do it and I did it the correct way but I it was just too thin for my hair I guess anyway she was like really mad at me and I was like so I felt really bad and I was like apologizing and I was very apologetic and then like Everyone was taking my side, like, Lindsay, she didn't mean to. Like, like Lindsay, let it go. Like, it was, it was kind of funny. Like, All everyone over chopsticks. turned on Lindsay. And I, I mean, it was my fault, so I take the blame, but... <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I probably should have bought her some new ones. I don't, I don't... I mean, they're literally just chopsticks, right? They're not, like, special? No, they're special. Oh, okay. They're for hair. Okay. I was like, I mean, chopsticks are a dime a dozen. No, it's not wood chopsticks. They're, like... They're like plasticky. You I mean, buy them for hair. Yeah, plastic chopsticks, again, dime a dozen. You probably could buy plastic chopsticks and use it for hair, but I think they are a little different if you buy them for hair. Makes sense. I don't know. I never I never really used them much after that, but and then the last thing was the set piece and it's uh there was a plaid couch. Who had the plaid couch? They did. What they had an, a plaid couch. I did not. Again, completely unaware <laughs> of any of this. It just, it did feel very 90s to me. I was like, this is definitely 1999. Yeah, we when we were at uh, this camp I worked at, we wanted to buy a couch for our staff room. So we went to Goodwill and bought a couch and it was a plaid couch and it smelled horrible. So Ugh. every time I looked at that plaid couch, I had this like visceral, Ugh. I don't know. But again, not a, not a very comfy fabric to sit on. 
They're not. No. Like, look. Yeah, I re- even I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> they're scratchy. Very, very. So plaid couches, zero out of ten stars. Don't like. Okay, cool. I'm ready to get into the movie. <laughs> All right, so our movie opens with like a little narration and like it's dark everywhere and it's kind of spooky and it's implied something's going on you don't know what and then in the most generic movie opening ever an alarm clock goes off and the main character wakes up yeah but um those opening shots they were i don't know i think it must have been the cool thing to do at the time but they were like kind of shaky they were like spinny more like it I thought they looked shaky. And then the, and then it was like tilting the camera from side to side to make it look like edgy and cool and I don't know. Oh yeah, the camera tilt slash shake, that was a big thing. Like think of, um, so we watched Next a lot, which was um, an MTV show from 2005. But you know, notice how often they use that really quick for transitions. Like the camera will shake or... Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about it. That MTV, it's actually, I think it's known as MTV style editing like it was yeah and they use it to great effect not to transition but to like slowly it's it's different but yeah it was a common thing yeah but i i think that i remember as a budding photographer that i was as a kid (laughs) thinking that was like really cool when i did like a slanted picture i was like wow i'm like really like taking the norms of society and I'm like turning it just like just like 90 degrees and I'm like or less than that 45 degrees and I'm like a good photographer oh my god you sound like everybody (laughs) 10 years ago when they were first getting on Instagram and everyone thought they were these great photographers and then before Instagram every girl in college (laughs) decided they wanted to make a photography page and a photography company and it's like dude Good luck, buddy. That's what I always... That's what I think now. Back then, I was like, please stop. None of you professionals. I'm just really proud to say that I had my photography phase much younger, so that by the time Instagram came around, I was over it. I did too, actually. Yeah, I had a (laughs) photography phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like one summer. I remember liking taking pictures. Because you know when you see a really good... Yeah. professionally done photograph even now it's very striking what they can do when they know what they're doing and i remember seeing one of like the grand canyon or something and it just looked awesome and i was like wow someone well, took that i still think even now if it's done well and not too often it can be cool and effective but it was just oh it definitely all is. the time for everything yeah like I can, I bet you could look at pretty much any senior photo from our class. Oh, no. One that's like tilted. Yeah. (laughs) But all that to say, in this movie, I noticed it throughout the movie. And it was trying, at least it made sense. Like it was trying to show that it was spooky. It made total sense. No, I actually support the decision here. I thought it was too much, but... I, I thought it worked great, actually. I loved the cinematography, and that intro kind of sets the this tone really well. And then, yeah, all the characters wake up, and it turns out they through conversation, they're like, wait a minute, all of our alarm clocks went off three hours early, and they get to school, and it's like, wait, everyone's alarm clock went off three hours early today. Okay, I, 
I was literally trying to figure out how before computers and phones they like figured this out. I, he said he set his clock by some specific thing. Yeah, on the internet, he said. On the internet? Oh, mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I think I missed that. You could also call like a timeline. Oh my gosh. You could just, call a certain phone number and they would tell you the time and I'm it was... too young to remember this. Like, honestly, I... Like, yeah, I was probably alive when some of it happened, but I don't remember. Yeah, so they use, they've they used, since the dawn of computers, before the internet, uh, they've used atomic clocks in like seven labs uh, yeah, around the yeah. world. And that's been the standard ever since because they're the most accurate. And they currently, if all seven of them went down, the internet would go with it. It's how essential they are, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. So look that up. But uh, so this one has... Back to the movie. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, okay. This one has both parents. Yeah, both parents, three siblings. And I would say both parents were actually a part of the movie. Oh, 100%. Equally. Yeah. Equally. I think the mom's slow. No, they were both... No, that's about the same. Okay, there was something sh the mom mentions that I wanted to ask you about. Sure. <laughs> so the mom mentions... Um, okay, so the the older brother has like some some anger problems, and he's kind of the one that they're all looking down on. He's kind of trouble. He's not really in the movie much. He's like about to go off to college, and yeah, he's that he age. The best. Yeah. Whatever. So mom mentions that. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about your anger now, but we can talk about your pent up aggression during family time. Yeah. And I saw so I that. I wanted to ask you if you ever had family time. No. No. <laughs> Never? No. I mean, my family spent a lot of time together. We they made it a point I'd say at least four or five times a week that we all had dinner together. Well, I think what I mean is more like like a family meeting type thing. Not many. It was usually that was more of a time for announcements. <laughs> Of we're moving or some we're going on vacation. It was and we were allowed to discuss whatever at those and yeah, most of the negative ones were kind of impromptu. Like we were all around and somebody brought something up and my parents were like, All right, let's all talk about this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did well, you? Yeah, we did. We had for a while we were doing like once a week we would have this family family time where we would do probably like a short devotional and then we would would play some like games as a family oh, okay sometimes like board game and sometimes my mom would just come up with some fun thing she found so it just like i don't know that one word just like triggered this like memory of family time and i was just curious if you had it so no but it did seem common especially among evangelicals. Yeah. But even outside of that, it seemed like something that was pushed in that era. Hmm. Uh, in the same way that every time you watch a 90s sitcom, they're always like, oh, TV's rotting your brain. Anyway, and like as you're watching the show. Oh, that happened in this movie. Yeah, did it? For sure. They oh, said yeah. it? Yeah, they say it in like every 90s thing because all those studies came out, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, in this show, they're like, maybe it was a mass hypnosis what can mass hypnotize something and then click he turns the tv on oh yeah yeah so they do yeah they do talk about it so i mean i think i think the family times were good i'm i'm not hating on him i just think it's kind of a funny funny memory you know no yeah i, I remember hearing about other families who had them and being like our family didn't have them but i never felt the need for them 
Because yeah. we just always talked about stuff. Yeah. And I think the point was, are you hanging out with your family and spending time with them and having yeah. a relationship with them? And ha- sometimes having a scheduled time to do that is helpful. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> to each their own, right? Yeah. So uh, one of the main things about this movie is Francis thinks she's so mature and everything around her is trying to communicate maybe you're not as mature as you think you are yeah like you you grew up too fast yeah it's it's funny too that at the beginning of the movie i was like kind of annoyed with her because she kept saying that kind of thing oh that's for babies oh that's for baby but then this movie like actually developed themes yeah it did like (laughs) like really well like really well and so by the end of the movie it was kind of this whole message about like you didn't need to grow up so fast and that wasn't good for you and yeah like it wasn't an inherently good thing you're not more mature because you act more like an adult essentially right yeah because well at first it annoyed me here's what annoyed me is the younger brother had leukemia and they keep bringing it up and it just felt like I don't know one of those plot points that they just throw in there so kids can connect but they don't do anything with it that's what I kept thinking right like in um, I don't know I think did we watch Under Wraps actually Under Wraps they the divorce divorce yeah it was like barely brought up and then all of a sudden at the end it was they came back to it and felt very forced yeah and same thing with mom's got a date with a vampire like that's mixed in there too i want to know yeah <laughs> I, I did watch that with you. yeah we've watched that one okay. and so it's yeah it's like it's almost throwaway but it's not totally throwaway i get what they're trying to do but this wasn't right by the end i was like oh wait this was responsibly done in a way that kids can understand that's why they brought it up more than once yeah so okay I, at the end of this movie, I laughed legitimately. I, I cried at one point and it had something to do with the leukemia. And this is like probably my favorite or maybe tied with Brink. Holy cow. Yeah. I like loved this movie. I like, there are a few slow parts in it, but pretty much everything about it, it like, it like really worked for me and like... Yeah, the way that it didn't just introduce throwaway important detail. Nothing about this movie was throwaway. No. Because I kept writing down, well, that's a weird detail. And then they would explain it later. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. I did. I think in my notes, there's about eight details where I was like, what's this for? And usually I end up making fun of it on here, but not once can I do that. They, right. they were That director knew what he was doing. Yeah, he like told a really good story that had like a very, in my opinion, poignant Poignant? Poignant? How do you say that? Poignant? Poignant. Yeah. <laughs> a really poignant um, moment at the end that was like, yeah, about like dealing with your guilt and grief and when somebody that's not you is sick. Yep. And like when a child is sick. Yeah. How do you deal with it? And when you're only 14 years old, she was younger at the time. And yeah. And the whole thing is about that told in this and this like very whimsical way and it's not really about the boogeyman at all it's about no it's her. about her yeah oh i'm getting chills so so good yeah so <laughs> francis um yeah it starts off right off the bat you skipped a grade you got to high school early wow yeah. like they say that i think four or five times <laughs> they really they really want to nail those details into your head because they do matter oh okay this is a good place to to bring up the swimming comment this like cracked me. i was like wait did they just say that 
So, so she's like. Her friend? Yeah, so her middle school friend that she's still friends with um, is talking about going to swimming team. And Francis is like, I don't know if I should do the swim team. Like, um, I'm, you know, I'm younger than everyone. And then her friend is like, swimming doesn't matter with age. You're more streamlined. And she kind of makes this, like, like busty, like, hourglass shape with her hand. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I had looked away. I think I was writing down some notes. And you said that. And I was like, what? Like, I totally missed it. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. It was like a very, very minimal adult humor moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, what were you saying about... So I guess I'll just move on the plot a little bit. The boogeyman, he is, uh, the, it's the dogs, then the eggs on one of the teacher's cars. And it's dr- drastic. You watch eggs fall on this car for a long time. It's kind of funny. And then bees and then like animal bees. And then, yeah, they turn the pool into jello, which was not CGI. It was some kind of practical effect. And it looked incredible. I was like, how did they do this? This looks totally real. And... That has been a lifelong dream of mine to swim in a pool full of jello. Oh, yeah, since I was a little, little kid. And I was like, was this the root of it? And I'm realizing now it's not. It's from uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk when they go to the to the giant and there's like jello on the table and he like jumps in and he oh like bounces well they have a scene like that but anyway with a chance of meatballs too where yep they, although i forgot about kinda, that it kind of makes yeah. me feel claustrophobic like i'm like think about how how comically tragic it would be to drown in jello that's what i was thinking about oh yeah I'm like that lady that girl in there can't breathe <laughs> yeah it's like she's face down in the jello and her legs are out and she's kicking yeah and the swim coach is trying to hook her with one of those uh, pool cleaning hooks. Or yeah, because you can't get it. Uh, the crook. Shepherd's yes. crook. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um... One of my favorite parts is like her friend confesses to Francis, like, I, yeah, maybe I do kind of like Bert, right? Like she says that. Which is her older brother. Francis's older brother. Right? Was it Bert? It wasn't Bert. It was the older brother. Oh, yeah, whatever. Bert's like a kid. Yeah, Bert's the kid. Anyway, so... It comes back and it's like J.D. Hartbert or whatever the guy's name in the flowers. She's like, Francis, how could you? And it's like in flowers in the ground. What friend would do that? No friend would do that. Yeah, like letting the secret slip is one thing, but like to plant flowers elaborately, it is pretty big. Yeah. And she just storms off. I would be like... What? What? What is this? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny too because the the friend I thought she was going to be a major character, but after she's offended that her secret was spilled, um, she's gone. Like not in it. She's not in the whole movie. No, she's offended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's just offended and out, gone. I'd say number one complaint with this movie. I mean, you start to notice it because there's a lot of scenes in the high school. Uh, all the high schoolers look like they're 35. I mean, it's it's one of the worst I've ever seen. And I'll complain about it when we watch High School Musical later. <laughs> this is infinitely worse, I would say. Oh, there. I mean, there were definitely a couple. I thought the at least the lead... Looks no, like. the lead is spot on. The lead looked her age. Her friend looked her age. Right, the siblings. Her siblings looked her age. So to me, it's these extras who have one line. To me, it like was okay because at least the main characters looked their age. 
There's just something about seeing a receding hairline and like a five o'clock shadow and they're like trying to be a high school bully and it's like, I don't, it just, my brain can't register. I don't know. There were some really big high schoolers in my high school and that had facial hair. Yeah, yeah. There's Maybe a, not receding When I was in life. freshman in high school, there was a guy who had facial hair, like a lot. But like, you know, you can tell the difference. I suppose. There's wrinkles. There's like. You saw wrinkles? Yeah, he had. He had. He. It was close. (laughs) Maybe my brain filled it in. But I was like, (laughs) oh. Oh, buddy. So we got to get on to Larry. Because Larry shows up and they do all these like near misses where he's like, you can see me. And he disappears and he comes back. And then finally they confront each other in the lunchroom. And she's like, hey, what's going on with you? And he's like, I'm an imaginary friend. No one could see me. He starts like dancing and running around. And she's like, yeah, right. And like stands on a lunch table and is like, can't everyone see him? (laughs) They're all like, ha ha, loser. What are you talking about? Ugh. Again with the like... Everybody just immediately laughs at whoever does one tiny weird thing. It's just very unrealistic. But anyway, what, what were you saying? Yeah, so we finally get to that. And then uh, she ends up in the principal's office because they think all these bees are like, your middle name's Bacon, right? That's a bee. You did this, right? Like, they're not accusatory. They're just, they're clearly playing figure it out. And they think Francis might know something. She's like, no, Larry did it. And then follows Larry. They like, there's a chase scene. They go to the band room and Larry's like playing instruments and like no one can see him but Francis. And every, every time you see Larry, he's changing outfits. Like, between cuts of different angles. I gotta say, he was by far my favorite character. Everything he did, I okay, there was like one part where I was like, all right, this scene needs to end. Couple parts, actually. The library, yeah. Yes, but <laughs> overall, like he's supposed to be imaginary. So him being like very zany, I think some people can be zany and it would feel cringy. But, like, with him, he was fun zany. He was, like... So charismatic. Yes, that's the word I was going to say. Yeah, he's, like, charismatic. You just, like, immediately love him. And and I really thought there's some scenes where he's with children because he's imaginary. So imaginary people can only be seen by children. Like little kids. And I... These children weren't, like... They were very little. Like, probably three or four. Yeah. And so... I could tell they weren't like acting when they like were loving what he was doing. Like they were legitimately yeah. laughing at him. They, he was wearing at the time of this library scene, he was wearing like uh, a karate belt. And I saw a kid like grab the belt for a second. I didn't see that. Yeah, he like, like some boy grabbed the belt and then they just were like so enamored with him. And I'm like, you can tell that an actor is a good person if you can get little kids to love you. Like for, yeah. I, mean, I assume, of course, but it really looked like they loved. They him. definitely loved him. Yeah, and he. I don't know why he didn't act more, because he's just excellent. Like I remember even thinking that then he was my favorite part of the movie. Like I, I watched oh. it for him entirely. Yeah, and then later when he starts to be a little creepy. Um, that transformation to me is that's pretty much why this was my one of my well one of my favorite decoms is because he just like nailed it like he starts to be creepy and so you're like oh and he was just so creepy and like his angry scenes were so angry i was like i believed him (laughs) yeah he was fantastic 
I... I don't know. I I kept wondering, like, is he riding a little bit off of Robin Williams in uh, Aladdin? Because there was some Robin Williams in there, but it didn't feel like a total ripoff. You know what I mean? It felt like he was kind of doing his own thing. Yeah. And I can appreciate that, where you have that inspiration, but you put your own spin on it. Yeah, I felt like he was very... Yeah, like, this character really worked, and the, the actor did a great job with it. It was good. But yeah, that scene in the library where he's entertaining the kids, it felt like it was eternal it was oh my god (laughs) well before we got to the library we found out yeah it's the boogeyman and it's that scene on the no we see the roof later but we find out the name the boogeyman because we find out the name pretty early like probably 20 minutes or so in which i i was wondering like how yeah how are they going to reveal this because they kept hinting and hinting and you see like his hand you see like a foot his hand, which is very creepy, I might add. A lot of claws, yeah. He has these creepy nails. He looks very scary. So, yeah, they go to the library because... And Larry is here because he said, Well, a guy in my head told me to come here. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know the guy in your head tells you what to do? And Francis is like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And they go to the library because the guy in the head tells him to. And they grab a book, and it's called like Livre, not Libre, Livre de Boogie by Guy in Head. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh, laugh out loud. And he's like, yeah, I'm part of this book. And he opens it, and it's like dedicated to Larry Houdini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like the way, the way he delivers that made it so funny. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, so, (laughs) whenever they're, like, trying to figure out, like, you know, the mom and dad are concerned, and, like, different people are asking, like, what does Larry look like? Who is he? And, you know, um, a little kid, her little brother comes up to him, and... Darwin. Darwin. I saw it in my notes. Couldn't remember. Do you think... Oh, Darwin, yes. He... Do you think that the boogeyman is coming and she's like like no and he said well somebody told me that if I saw the boogeyman to cover my head with the covers and she's like what's his name and he's like Larry and she's like what does he look like and I was like oh my goodness what are they gonna say because the character is black yeah and I was like oh my gosh are they is he gonna describe like I was like on bated breath about what he was going to say, but he didn't actually see him. So I guess crisis of birth. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking in 1999, we said that a lot. We would say African-American or black and it wasn't, it was just a skin color when you were just yeah, describing yeah. somebody. And now we're cautious and I don't know why, because skin color is skin color. Y'all. Right. Right. We're, I think as white people, we're just naturally cautious. Like he's, black and i feel like all my black <laughs> friends are like yeah <laughs> like that's not what you need to be so concerned about there are bigger fish to fry yeah yeah <laughs> all right um we find out dad is uh the cooker and cleaner around the house right because they have that uh that cooking scene the school counselor comes over and like you find out the whole family's super nerdy because she keeps saying her facts wrong getting her grammar wrong and like each member in the family takes turns correcting her (laughs) and i forget what she says to dad like you're a stay-at-home dad right and he's like well i have my doctorate and blah 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 engineering but yes oh i I wrote this down he has his phd in solid waste solid waste management that's it and then he made some poop joke and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) the 
we didn't say this, but every actor is a good in it's this movie. True. Every single one, especially the, the family. Is good. Yeah, the mom and the dad. Oh my god, it's the mom from Brink, so you know that's when. Oh, she is. Yeah. I don't think I realized that. And the dad, man, you're gonna get into this later, but I just the whole movie. I'm like, what do I know him from? Turns out I know him from a lot of little parts, but I know there's like one thing I can't pin it down. But he's fantastic. He's like the epitome of type A, but like funny type A. Neurotic. Yeah, neurotic. Very, very neurotic. Everything keeps like, not even going wrong, but he's just like upset about everything. Where are the eggs? One of my favorite things he said at the end was like, she had... They come out from under the bed and stuff, and she has the vacuum, and he's like, what are you doing under there? And she's like, vacuuming. And he's like, well, did you empty the bag first? Oh, wait, be positive. At least you're trying. (laughs) (laughs) so silly. It was very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like the part uh, where Larry, he makes this, like, what's it called? Transfigurator? It's like a time machine type of deal. No, it's like to destroy the boogeyman. Yeah, by aging him. Oh, by aging him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a machine related to time, not for traveling through time. Okay, okay. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. And he, like... This made me laugh out loud, too. He, like, is about to tell her how it works, and then the whole... It, like, goes black and white. Yeah, it does. And it goes into this very, like, the feeling of, like, the old Frankenstein type fit. Was it 50s? I don't know. 30s. 30s. Black and white feel. It was so funny. It was so funny. Yeah, and he's just delivering it fantastically. Yeah, he went all, like, mad scientist type thing. Yeah, and he's like, if we plug this machine into the boogeyman, he'll age so fast he dies. Which is... I don't know. Who came up with that? We're gonna... He'll age so fast that he can't move fast enough to bother you. Oh, that's right. That's right. But it wasn't to die. Yeah, but Kid Me's thinking, all right, he's dead. Yeah, true. (laughs) So, yeah, I... I love that. I also love that, um, all right, this really interested me. So there's this scene where Fran hears something on the roof, and Larry's like, dude, it's the boogeyman. We got to get out there. And they, they run out there, and the whole house is decorated in Christmas lights. And then, like, Larry teleports to the roof, because he teleports, like, all the time in this movie. And him and the boogeyman have this skirmish, and we actually see the boogeyman at yeah. this point. We're, like, which, halfway. Yeah, which, yeah, I was going to say, it's a little over halfway. So, like I said, it really teases him with, like, just his hand, just his foot and then finally um halfway through the movie you see him yeah which surprised me because in can of worms like the villain's not seen till the very very end and even so like his final form is like the very 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 end Hmm. (laughs) right we see this full form like halfway and they get in this fight and larry's like hanging off of the roof and (laughs) i'm like just teleport away larry yeah, the whole time the same thing yeah and frangos gets the um ladder ladder wakes up her parents are outside like did you do this <laughs> how how would she do that without waking anybody up it's like the whole house it's like a lot it's like probably oh you mean how would she string all the lights yes it's yeah. like six or seven hours of work right there yeah that she would have had done in a few hours like how would she have done that yeah it's it's pretty preposterous Also, I gotta say, that first moment when you see the boogeyman, I was like, 
wow, he looks legitimately scary. And also, it's it's really nice because it's all done through like practical effects. Yeah. Or, you know, makeup. Right. Um, That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's not CGI, but he looks. He reminds me of some other horror movie that I just seen posters of, like Jack Frost or something. Like he looks kind of Jack Frost to me. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know. I don't remember what he looked. He definitely looked like something else. Yeah. Kind of remind me of Flabber from uh from Flabber. yeah from Beetleborgs. That's probably outside of your box a little That's bit. That's way outside my box. Beetleborgs <laughs> was like, you know how. You know how a show, like, they'll do a, not a spinoff, but it's, like, kind of the same thing, and you're like, this is the same thing, but, like, a little different. Beetleborgs was that for Power Rangers. It's the same company, very, very similar, but different. And, yeah, there was this ghost who was based on Elvis and Jay Leno named Flabber. And, yeah, the two, hang on, I'm going to pull a picture. Okay. The two really do look similar, and this would have been on at the same time. Flabbergasted, no. Flabber. Beetleborgs. Oh, my gosh. What a name. I know. Look at that. Oh. And he's purple. Sorry. I don't think that looks like this guy. But, like, if he got corrupted. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? He looks a little corrupted in that. I don't know. <laughs> I thought Flabber was awesome as a kid, but all right. Well, everybody look up Flabber Beetleborgs and see if it looks like this guy. I don't think it does, but... Okay, I do have a little inside scoop on why he looks the way uh, he did. Oh, please do. Found. So, at the beginning, um, there I found this from like a, a interview with the director. Oh. And the director said... At the beginning, they were going to make him look way scarier. And throughout the process of making their this movie, they were being told, like, make it scary but not too scary. Yeah, that hard was, balance. Right. And so, um, anyway, so they had this, like, art that instead of, like, the creepy fingernails, um, he was going to have, like, quills and quills coming out of his back. Quills. And maybe even, like, a snaky-type tongue. Ugh. But then they went... They decided, okay, make him a little less creepy, and so they made him look Victorian. So that's why his outfit is a little bit Victorian. And they also chose to make him talk in limericks or rhymes um, to soften him a little. So that, because like we both noticed, why is he rhyming? And that was why, is it's to make him sillier, less scary, more whimsical. Yeah, Yeah. more scary, or sorry, less scary and more whimsical. So. So yeah, I, I thought that was interesting because he's still like creepy, but yeah, the mm, black quills, goodness. Okay, I found the line that you wanted to quote that the oh. dad said. It's encouragement, Michael. Encouragement. <laughs> I wrote that down because I thought it was so funny the way he said it. Yeah. So yeah, they make boogie goo to attract him, and throughout this, Larry slowly turned into the boogeyman. Yeah. He's getting long claws and accidentally like scratches her. His eyes turn purple when he gets angry. Which that scene, it did give me chills. I don't know why. Maybe it was the mood I was in. But like, he like, he gets mad because Fran, he comes out that Franny has told um, her little brother when he was suffering from leukemia, she she thought that if she told her little brother very logical facts and like didn't encourage any childlike things, that it would help him dealing with the leukemia, which... Yeah, I mean, makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, like um, just facing the facts was her 
coping mechanism yeah. for for him. Right. Which makes yeah, it's not a bad coping mechanism. It works for some people. Right. And so she told him this, but it it like made him think that the imaginary friend wasn't real. And so finally Larry like blows up on her and is like, why'd you tell her that like he wasn't real? Yeah, because Larry is it's Darwin's imaginary friend. Yeah, and if and if kids stop believing in their imaginary friends too early, then their imaginary friend turns into the boogeyman. Bum, bum, bum. I just think that is so creative. I yeah, love that. Very, very creative. I thought that and so then it was like extra creepy because you love Larry and all of a sudden he's terrifying. Yeah. And yeah. It's like this slow fade where he doesn't want to be the boogeyman, but he's like slowly turning into it. He's like scary. He like starts yelling at her about how she didn't really want to do the bone marrow transplant. Yep. That she was actually relieved. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) That's like serious survivor guilt stuff. Yeah, because it was the older brother who did the... You'd found this out earlier. He did the bone marrow transplant. And that was another conversation, again, that I was wondering at the time, like 30 minutes earlier, why are we hearing this detail? But here we are with the payoff toward the end of the movie, right? Like, it's this relevant detail to her trauma, to his trauma. It's great. Yeah, and I think that might have even been the part that made me cry because I, I could, like, see, like, oh, like a kid just feeling so guilty because I didn't really want to do that, but I couldn't, but I would have, but I didn't really want to. Yeah. And feeling all of those feelings. And when he said that, I was like, oh, this movie just got real. Like, wow. Yeah, it really did. It was, um, I, I wasn't tuned in until the very end when the very tale creatures were explaining very clearly the theme. I was like, oh, the leukemia thing wasn't a throwaway. Right. It and, took me a while to realize it. And I think I liked this more than some things because to me, sometimes it's like really, this sounds really mean, but it's really easy in a movie to just be like, oh, my mom died. I'm sad. But yeah. this to me like felt. It was all tied together. It felt like a unique thing that um, movies don't normally tackle. I don't think they normally tackle like, well, he survived, but how did I deal with that when he was sick and we were unsure? And like, how do I deal with going forward? And maybe he'll get sick again. Yeah. It's like all this like anxiety and like. That was, it was all there. It was like way, to me, it was like way, had more depth than just, oh, my mom died and I'm sad and it's been several years and my dad is trying to do everything. To me, it felt. No, no, I think you're right on the money. So they make Boogie Goo to bait out the Boogie Man, which is a very funny scene. With a, and it's like this giant stock pot and then like Larry climbs out of it. Very impressive effect, actually. But um, Darwin steps in it. And so the boogeyman comes after Darwin and pulls him under the bed into boogie land. Boogie world. Boogie world. <laughs> and uh, they got to go into the boogie world and get him. So they crawl into the bed and they're in a different dimension. There's a really, again, another great effect where she's like crawling out of the bed and suddenly she's climbing off a cliff and it's one shot. And it's, I know how they did it, but I'm still impressed. It doesn't look bad. It looks very good. Yeah, and Boogie World looks really good. So 
it's under the bed, so everything that might be under a bed. Although, man, these beds are so much more messy than any beds I ever know. Like, full sandwiches? Did you ever have a full I, sandwich under your bed? I mean, just imagine the full sandwich went under there, and then, like, little Fran, however long ago, was like, huh, I guess I didn't bring it in here. And it had been in Boogie Land, so she, like... She seems like the character kind of character that would happen, you know? Like, I swear, I swear I brought this up here to eat. Did someone take it? Boogeyman took it? Yeah. Okay, I get that. But it, it all really looked pretty good, I thought. It was really cool design. Just purple and... I don't know. It's I'm not very good at describing. There was a castle. There was like a bunch of cliffs. It's just like that fun kid imagination where you're tiny in a big world and like, yeah, you jump on the sandwich and then there's giant glasses and you fall into a, a roller blade. Like, it's just really fun. And then... Um... So Larry has the time thing attached to his back, and it's like got this really long extension cord that's plugged into her bedroom, and so Which doesn't make any sense because it's all imaginary. But okay, no, but I I kind of loved that. That I remember even as a kid really liking them. Like that's really smart to have that really long extension cord. <laughs> Like on that wheel that's unraveling as they get farther in there. And so they find a wind-up car and they wind it up and they ride it. They run in the boogeyman and there's a fight. And he's got Darwin literally in a bag. In a sock. Yeah. Oh, sorry. In a sock. Yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, the sock is so big. But, well, and that's another one of those things where, like, she says, like, I... I thought that if I was grown up, everything would be okay. And you finally have that payoff of, oh, it's not just a throwaway that she's trying to be grown up. It was like how she dealt with her brother having leukemia and stuff. So Yeah, and she realizes like, oh no, adults have problems. Maybe growing up wasn't the answer. Yeah. And um, so they attach the machine to the boogeyman after really long, drawn out, I don't even know if you call it a fight. It was really long. It was a little too long. Yeah, just like dialogue at each other. And uh, it's clearly a man before, like a male actor, and suddenly it's an old woman. So so when the uh, whatever fuge thing... The it ages her. Yeah. Ages, and as she ages, she turns like into an old woman. And then there's this whole thing where... I mean, this took me way too long to realize, but... <laughs> I was sitting on this the whole time because I remembered, yeah. Of course. But, like, Franny was like, oh, I had an imaginary friend. It was Zoe. Yeah, and the boogeyman calls her Franny. She's like, only Zoe Zoe called me. Wait a minute. And basically, she's like, I believe in you, Zoe. And, yeah, turns good again. turns back into Zoe. And Darwin's like, I believe in you, Larry. And Larry, who's now full boogeyman, reverts. I mean, it's not in that order. It's actually the other way around. But basically, that's what happens. They all come out happily ever after. But (laughs) the fairy tale characters or imaginary friends are like, yeah, we got to go fight another boogeyman. You're never going to see us again. I know. So there's this whole thing like, oh, remember me. Remember me, uh, your imaginary friend. And believe in us. And then all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, but we're going to leave now. And then they're like... Okay, they say they're going to leave and she won't see them anymore because she's too grown up, which is ironic. Yeah. But they just want her to remember them. And that's how. And then out of nowhere, Larry kisses her. What did you think about Larry kissing her? Good grief. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, wait, wait. Very, it's a very Larry move, actually. Because it's like a very silly kiss. 
he like leans in like real slow then pecks her real fast and like bounces off like and she's see like, ya maybe I am too grown up for imaginary friends and I'm like what are we talking about now? I thought it was perfectly fitting for the character and pretty funny I thought it was a little weird and actually okay this is another thing I learned from this director interview oh yeah and actually from the uh, Christy, what is it? Christy Carlson Romana interview? Yeah, her uh, Christy's does, Throwback Kitchen. Yeah, she does it with uh, the guy, Ty, that plays Larry. Anyway, um, apparently in 1999, it was kind of a big deal that a black guy kissed a white girl. Oh, 100%. And so the director really fought for it. And at the time, well, this is this is Ty Hodge's um, recollection. After. Yeah, he he was being, like, very generous, and he was saying, you know, Disney was, uh, like, very progressive at the time to do... And he was, like, very sweet about it, but I was, like... I was, like, whoa. Shock. I was shocked (laughs) to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, showing a biracial couple in media, it wasn't gonna get you in that much trouble, but it was gonna lose you some people, right? And so, in terms of, like, I want to sell a show, because you're selling a product. Yeah that's what they're thinking and so to take that risk it's a legitimate risk um so to compare it with something else that was on at the time that i don't know if it was on disney channel yet but assume would be was boy meets world which had a biracial couple and uh, very prominently and i know some people not gonna say names who weren't allowed to watch it as a kid because it had a biracial couple and of course this person is all for biracial couples not against it at all uh, but yeah, they told me they but couldn't his watch parents it. Parents, yeah, were. right. And even now, I think his parents may have seen the error of their ways. Thankfully. Well, okay, so. but <laughs> I heard that and I was like, "Wow, okay, that's weird." But also, the kiss to me felt like a total throwaway and totally unneeded. So then I was like, "Well, now I feel weird about feeling that way." <laughs> I thought it was just silly. Yeah, I think I think it was meant to be silly, and I, I just took it the wrong way. <laughs> it just hit me. There was zero romantic chemistry ever implied between these two characters. No. Ever. No, they aren't romantic at all. Which is kind of great. Yeah. Like, that was not part of the plot. It was just, it was focused on the her trauma, actually, and, yeah. and how she had to grow up. I really respect that. Yeah. Really, really respect that. Uh, there's just one other thing I wanted to add from the director thing, and it was the original ending. Oh. Had the, it's actually called, I found it written down, The Temptrifuge. The, the Temptrifuge. Yes. Yeah. And it actually was going to make the boogeyman go all the way away. And then they they changed that to be a little bit more meaningful where she kind of realizes, oh, this is my imaginary friend. And it's like, she's not afraid anymore. And that's what makes it go away. So. Kind of makes it an allegory for trying to grow up too fast because all this damage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and <laughs> I did love when she turns into... Uh, the boogeyman turns into um, the imaginary friend and it's a girl and then Larry keeps calling him, him the boogeyman she's like boogie person yeah she's got this like snotty British accent that only a kid would think about to give their imaginary friends really yeah. funny boogie person not boogie man yeah and her final line's like just cause you're getting older doesn't mean you have to get old and they disappear off to Centerville <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, 
That's a good line. Now, did I understand all that as a kid? No. <laughs> I was so bad at understanding what things were actually about as a kid. It did not click with me. I don't, I mean, I don't know that I would have understood that as a kid. There's no way to tell. Like, but what's as- the moral of the story? I think I would have understood that, yeah, like, you don't have to grow up so fast. I think I could have walked away with that. But all the stuff they used to point to it, maybe not. I don't even know if I knew what leukemia was. True. Truthfully. I think that I was a very dramatic person, and so... I would, like, imagine what if I got leukemia and I'd think about it for a while, you know? So it wouldn't be beyond my wheelhouse. (laughs) I did know someone who died of leukemia much later. And so I think had I seen this, and by much later, I mean like three or four years later, had I seen this after that, it would have hit different. I would have thought about it more. Yeah. But I, I think, to me, that shows a good movie because even though you didn't understand or think about the deeper theme you like really liked it and had fun with it but like someone who that would have resonated with they could have watched it and had a totally different experience and still so I just think that shows it's a really good movie like it doesn't have to be everything for everyone it could oh be for yeah person and this for something else oh I totally agree no I think I'm I was always the wrong demographic <laughs> for this kind of thing like honestly I really was I just I did not get stuff and even in high school I remember them here I am in an IB program at what once was the number one rated high school in the nation and they'd be like what's the theme of this book and it could have been the freaking bible you know and I would have been like dude I don't know you know like it just see and that's like my wheelhouse i love literature i always have loved reading and i like oh by my and i actually read a lot as a kid but i know but i would i really loved thinking about the theme of things yeah i didn't i definitely liked and my junior year of high school i finally could do that actually I had been taught the skills by yeah. teacher by good teachers. Good. So I, I could do it by then, and I don't know that I could appreciate it. Maybe a little. Yeah, but I mean, there were definitely books that I read and I learned later. Like, for instance, The Great Gatsby. I hated that book with a burning passion. Yeah, I did Didn't too. realize there were all these fancy themes in it. Still don't know what they are because I hated the book so much. And now I, you know... But I watched the movie and they were like, this is the theme, like really loud. And and I was like, oh, okay, there were themes and I was too dumb to notice. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that summer, my sophomore, going to my sophomore year, I had to read The Great Gatsby. Their eyes were watching God and all quiet on the Western Front. And all their eyes were watching God was about a black woman at a particular point in America and all the men she married in her life. And I remember realizing like, yeah, maybe her life's not so great, even though she didn't think it is. Like that was what I took away. But then all quiet on the Western front, I realized like war is terrible. Yeah. And that's what that book is trying to portray. Like there were no winners in World War One in a lot of ways. And that book I remember and I was not into war I was not one of those I don't know gun guys at school who wore camo or like you know you brought up World War II and they're like oh the roof and they start talking about the guns and the tanks they're like alright Bill I didn't ask I didn't know any of that I don't know what you're talking about you probably didn't go to a big enough school there was always that one guy who was really nerdy and into military stuff and he's not like buff he's like a nerd <laughs> And they're really cool guys, but um, anyway, 
I really liked that book and I remember it resonated with me. That was probably one of the first ones that I really caught what it was going for. So, yeah. yeah. Took a long time. I think mine was probably Frankenstein because I read Frankenstein and I was like, oh, creating life maybe isn't so good. Yeah. But also, yeah. Also, like. That was the next year I got that. I love that book. And also, like, you know, he really hates his creation and that like really shocked me me too that book shocked me in a lot of good ways so yeah that's again moving forward if you're listening to this podcast just know i'm the wrong demographic if i got it it must have been really specific to me probably like hammered or or it was like hammered over and over like this is the theme this is the theme this is the and i don't think either this is something i struggled with i don't think i wanted to be seen as an adult, as a kid. I wanted to be seen as smart, but I didn't want to be seen as an adult. I wanted to be seen as funny, which... <laughs> <laughs> so... I definitely did not want to be seen as an adult. I, like... I played with Barbies longer than most of my classmates. I, like, wanted to believe in Santa, and most of my classmates didn't want... I, like, wanted to believe in Santa. It wasn't just, like, I still believed. And I kind of huh. had hints, and I would be like la 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 not listening and and what helped me with that is i was just like oh there was a real saint nicholas and i was like see he is real uh-huh. <laughs> i bet you would have loved this then i bet it would have more resonated with kid krista yeah i would have been terrified i wouldn't have watched it i you wouldn't, wouldn't have finished it slept. oh man been, it would have not gone well, <laughs> well so, <laughs> you couldn't have made it past that period <laughs> All right. Okay, I thought I would say just a couple of our tracking things. Oh, I was just going to say the final line of the movie. Oh, please. Yeah, so they're laying in bed together, like brother and sister, Darwin and uh, Francis. And he's like, are adults still afraid of stuff? And he's, she's like, yeah, you just got to, sometimes you got to be afraid without acting afraid to get through it. And I was like, oh, yeah, shoot, that's a good line. line. That's a good line. And, and then he says like wow, it sounds like adults have to use their imagination a lot. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, he said, it takes a lot of an imagination to become a grown-up. That's what he yeah. said. I was like, oh, shoot. That's, this, again, really good. This decom is so good, guys. Yeah. yeah, and I think most kids who aren't me would get it. <laughs> yeah. it would. Oh, my goodness. Well, since we're talking about how much I love it, you want to just rank them real quick? I'd probably give it... Eight and a half or a nine. I haven't decided. Well, hang on. Pull up our rankings. Oh, sure. An eight and a half or a nine? Yeah, this say? is very high up for me. I think I think I am going to go above Brink. Really? I loved it so much. It was just everything that I wanted in a movie. Yeah, I got to put <laughs> I got to put it above Johnny Tsunami, which is eight and a half. I give that a nine. So you I'm going to give it a 9.8. You're not going to give it a 10? I just, I have a hard time giving a 10 because I haven't seen them all. I say, what's your 10? High school musical? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> for the nostalgia factor for you, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's really good. I don't know how I'm going to rate that movie. I'm like really wondering how that one's going to go. Maybe you'll watch it as an adult and you'll love it. I, I'm just going to preview it now. This is what I said then. I love these songs. I hate this plot and I hate this movie. <laughs> But I love this. I love this music. It's, it's so good. Tamed down Greece. That's all the movie is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, some of the stuff we've been tracking. 
Um, this Please. one does not have a disapproving parent. No. The parents are rightfully concerned. Yeah, and they're pretty reasonable. And they're trying to be encouraging. And yeah, like when Probably. there's a scene where the dad walks in to try to talk to her at the very end. It's like, what is going on? And she's like, I see the boogeyman. I'm after the boogeyman. He's doing all this stuff. And the dad just looks at her. And he's like, all right, why don't you talk to your mother? And you like, t- you can clearly tell like he's not, he doesn't know how to deal with it. And he takes a deep breath and he's like, I'm going to leave. I was like, that's a mature dad. <laughs> True, I guess. I mean, I think he could have talked to her, but. And maybe he needed a moment. That's what I thought. He realized like, I don't, my daughter's saying some weird stuff or could be lying. I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, I, I was guess. like, respect, dude. Okay, no single parents. Nope. Both parents are there. And there was a kiss. Yeah. I started uh, tracking that because I didn't think there would be that many. There's a lot. This one didn't even need a kiss and there was a kiss, so whatever. An aromantic kiss. I don't know what that kiss was. Okay, whatever. In my opinion. In my opinion. (laughs) All right, Jake, tell us about some Disney decom connections. Oh, yeah, so... Uh, between the the four months between these podcasts, I bought a CD. Oh, uh, it's called the uh, Ears Premieres, and it's got the the music of the first decoms in it. And for this one, it has one track, Boogie Wonderland. You know, Boogie Wonderland, and it plays it over the credits. And it's like y'all paid for this licensing to play this over the credits, which also it would be played on TV. And yeah. So- I feel like TV credits, it's like, up next is blah, blah, blah. Not at the time. Oh, Not really? at the time. Okay. No, no, no. So back then, you did see the full credits. And then slowly over time, legally, they have to show them. Oh, yeah. So they would, first they started speeding them up. Then they started hand typing them again in their own, like each channel kind of had their own way of doing it. So they could do it even faster and shrink it even more. And you could still see it clearly enough so they could talk about the next thing. Hmm. Yeah, but no, they, yeah, they definitely showed all the credits back then. They didn't bother. Yeah, so they would have played this. Song. Oh yeah, they would have played but the whole right. thing. It is a very big song to have at the end. Of the yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, I kind of went really deep in the connections, so deep, in fact, that I found some really good ones. So okay. Susan Glickman casted four decoms, including this one. Quince, Buffalo Dreams, and Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Well, great job, Susan. Yeah, Susan. Uh, Mark Edens, he also wrote Luck of the Irish. Okay, Kenneth Johnson was the director. He directed Xenon. Ty Hodges, a.k.a. Larry Houdini. He was Larry Beale in the Even Stevens movie. Oh, I mean... Any Disney Channel kid would have watched this for him because he was kind of a very fun bully in Even Stevens. Oh, okay. So the oldest character, she's not in the movie that much. Uh, Ren, the oldest daughter, is like type A, has to make all A's. Mm -hmm. And he's like part bully to Lewis, the younger brother, and part Ren's number one competitor to get the most A's and be the most intellectual in school. So he's a smart bully. Yeah, so he's like a really great character and very funny and yeah, very, very likable. Okay, Robin Riker plays the mom in this, and in Brink. Steve Valentine, the boogeyman, he's in Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie, Avalon High, and Secrets of the Wings, (laughs) and Team Beach movie. All right, so I have to give a new award. So uh, you've heard me talk about uh, Phil Marshall, right? 
He's done the music for 14 DCOMs, not this one. Oh. But I found another guy who almost had him. His name is John Malmborg. He was the carpenter for 13 DCOMs, including this one. 13. The carpenter? Yeah, what like you, you build the set pieces. Oh, wow. You wood. really went deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, you know what? I bet because a lot of those roles that people don't pay attention to, those are more likely to do it over and over. That's true because he might just be employed by Disney. Right, right. Or by the production company or whatever. Okay, so our art director... His name's Mark Hoffling. <laughs> he worked on 24 DCOMs. 24. Wow. He was also the production designer in some of them. And then he also worked on two honorary, I'm calling them honorary DCOMs now, <laughs> where they were played so often alongside DCOMs that I thought they were. Yeah. Uh, Paper Brigade and Just Like Dad, and then Wish Upon a Star, which is a pre-DCOM, which was a Disney Channel movie before they called it that, basically. Okay. okay. But now we have a new number one. Oh no 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 num- number one is uh, the art director. Never mind. This is number two. But this is more of a normal connection that I would have caught. His name is Don Shane. He was the producer of twenty one DComs. Holy cow! Twenty one. This is his first one. Holy cow! Twenty one. That's crazy. Yeah. So we have a guy with wow, twenty four. Through a lot of years. Twenty one. I mean, yeah, nineteen ninety nine to twenty ten. Yeah. And he he was a line producer on Frozen. unfortunately he's passed but um yeah this guy really loved his family oriented entertainment i guess and it's just crazy like so who 24 dcoms and 21 i thought we wouldn't pass 14 (laughs) that's a lot Uh, lot. i don't think we're gonna top that like i think we have our top three connections right now okay cool yeah well we'll find out i suppose yeah Okay, so I'm doing Where Are They Now? Um, These actors. Mostly I do the actors. (laughs) But, um, goodness. I think it just talks about the quality of the actors in this because all of them were career actors, basically. um, Spectacular cast. Even the little kid, he was... Yeah, he was an actor. So, um, Francis. uh, Francis Bacon. Is Francis Bacon a... is he a scientist? Yeah, famous male scientist. Okay, okay. Weird. They're they're all named after Simon's scientists, right? Darwin, Francis Bacon, not, and Bert like, for Albert. Curie. Like what? Why? Francis why? is a girl's name. I don't know. Francis Bacon why, did a. Why not do a female scientist? He's uh, really okay. well. Go Francis Bacon did a lot of medical stuff. Anyway. Blah blah blah. Should have picked a woman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So her real name is Erin Chambers. She's mostly known for. Uh, she played a General Hospital character. I don't know how to say her name. Siobhan McKenna. For a long time, a really long time. She was also on The Young and the Restless, and most recently, she's been in Shameless in 2021. Uh, she had been acting for four years before Don't Look Under the Bed. She's a Later Day Saint, or is it Latter Day? Latter Day Saint. Latter Day. She had on her Instagram that she likes to knit, so fun fact. Um, I love this. Both her and Ty Hodges, who played Larry Houdini, um, they both had something kind of about Don't Look Under the Bed. Like, she tweeted about Don't Look Under the Bed around Halloween time, and she tagged Ty Hodges uh, when he looked like the boogeyman and said, this look looks really good on you. (laughs) So it was really cute that they kind of still have a relationship. And Ty Hodges, in his, like, Twitter, he... um, Oh, where is it? Oh, he had a a pic on his Instagram, sorry, of him and 
uh, what's her real name? Aaron. Aaron. Her, him, and Aaron like reuniting after twenty plus years. And Jeez. I think of both of them. It was so sweet. I was like, this is adorable. It is adorable. So they both clearly have fond memories of the movie. So, oh, and she has uh, fifty-two credits. So quite a few. He, um, Larry Houdini, who is Ty Hodges, has 38 credits. Um, I think there was a period when he wasn't acting as much, but uh, you already talked about the Even Stevens. He was also on Spy Kids. And pretty recently in 2021, he wrote, directed, and starred in um, Venus as a Boy. So he has some directing and some writing credits. He's also in The Challenge, which is a Mary-Kate and Ashley movie. Thank you very much. Okay, I didn't... I wouldn't have recognized that. Very important credit. (laughs) Is he one of the boyfriends? No. Unfortunately, they never had any not-white boyfriends. (laughs) Okay. I think... I think. Uh, he directed A Girl Like Grace that has uh, Raven in it, which I thought was kind of a cool Oh, that's really cool. And, um, okay, so I watched, I skipped through the interview with Christy Carlson Romano, and he talks about for a while he had a food truck with his family um, called the Drippin' Chicken. It was a fusion restaurant or truck <laughs> between Caribbean and Mexican food. So, sounded really good. Um, and Christy Carlson Romano said she went to her first frat party with Ty. <laughs> Oh, funny. So, yeah, he. I think he said in one of the interviews I read that he he took a break from he he didn't feel like creative energy as much, and then that's why he came back after the Venus as a boy thing. So good for him. Kind of interesting. The mom was Robin Riker. She has a hundred credits. She was on Buffy Vampire Slayer, General Hospital, Bold and the Beautiful. She was a third generation actor. Jeez. And her parents were theater actors, classically trained since the age of two. Oh, I forgot to say one thing about um, Ty Hodges. It was so cool. Okay, he um, got his career started because he went to Hollywood, and he's pretty young when he gets started. He's st- maybe like high school. Yeah, he was definitely in high school in yeah. Eden Stevens. So um, he went to Hollywood, and his parents let him go on a trial basis for like one month to do auditions. And in two weeks, he landed a music video gig for Janet Jackson's music video, Go Deep. No way. Yeah, so I watched part of this, and he's like... He's like the same old, like very like fun. He's doing all this stuff. He basically he falls asleep and has this dream that he's throwing this wild party and then he wakes up and it's anyway, it was not very good music, but the video was fun to have him in it. So <laughs> I don't like the song very much. How dare you? I know. Okay, the dad is Steven Tobolowski, and he has 283 credits. I know I've seen him in... I mean, I looked at his credits and saw, like, yeah, I saw him in that. I saw him in that. But they were all bit parts where, like, maybe he talked a little. I know he's got a big prominent role, or at least enough for me to really recognize him. His voice, his face. Yeah. I looked through his whole IMDb. I couldn't pin it down. Like, there's a line he says in a movie. Well, he's most known for Thelma and Louise, Spaceballs. Yep. He's yep. in the Mindy Project. He's in Mississippi Burning. He's a teacher in Freaky Friday, like the Lindsay Lohan one. 
and he is still working and has three projects in like either pre-production or post-production so this guy is very prolific but yeah it's not like a main character I couldn't find like one that I would have recognized except Spaceballs or you're like that's his thing yeah yeah but he's so funny like in the movie I just like wanted to see more of him I know I know like he deserves a lead role yeah he's a leading man he is he is I want to see I want to see him play the character he played in this oh 100% 100 (laughs) he was spectacular so the friend, she really wasn't in it much, but I did think it was interesting. She's most known for uh, Young and the Restless, uh, Call of Duty, and she does CrossFit and has to talk about it. Blah. But <laughs> she I'm does just a kidding. lot of voiceover, and she uh, is a coach. She's like an actor coach and a voiceover coach. So, And then last one I did is Nathan Stevens, which is Bert the Brother. He has 31 credits. So I would say uh, he probably... Yeah, he has the least amount, but like he was in Punch Drunk Love and The Hollow Point. Like, those are solid like, credits. And yeah, and he still had some credits where it was like pretty recent. So, yeah. Okay, well, the critical review I found on Rotten Tomatoes 68% audience score. Oh, my favorite part. Ben C said, This movie used to be scary as beep. Heck, you know. And then a lot of people said it scared them. So I think you were in the minority there, Jake. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I did, you can ask my older brother, Luke. I really didn't get scared while watching the movies. Did it was it always... your siblings? Ah, you have to ask Luke. My younger siblings may have not been watching. Right. Because we would have we would have known not to watch stuff like that around them. Luke would have been really aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Or mom would have asked us to turn it off, like, 100%. Right. Um, so IMDb gave it a 6.7 uh, rating and Ruby and Rain 700 said, this is the best Disney Channel movie you will ever see. In fact, this is the only Disney Channel movie you should watch. Screw High School Musical. This movie yeah. <laughs> has fantastic graphics, acting. It is just wonderful. Seriously. Disney Channel should air this every Friday or Saturday night because it is an amazing movie. Agreed. True love. True love. Amazing. <laughs> I found him. Oh, what's he in? He's on Community. <gasps> oh my gosh. He's the Who's the Boss episode. Or that he argues with Abed over who's the boss. He wrote a whole book on the sitcom Who's the Boss about whether one of the main characters is the boss or it's it's the guy or the girl. And him and Abed argue the whole time. And he's like, I am not just a fan. I am not just a friend. I am an academic. And I know who's the boss. It's really funny. He's fantastic in it all right we mystery solved yeah that picture that you have up there that looks very familiar yeah i had to dig i was like i saw community and i was like wait a minute and the voice it clicked yep yep and it's very it's a very like rememberable part it's not just like a throwaway part i feel like he has a lot of memorable parts and stuff i've seen yeah it's just he really needs his own movie (sighs) let's let's give it to him yeah give him his own anything the man is fantastic he's very very funny (laughs) or maybe you guys should tell us if he does have a movie and we'll watch it honestly hire any of these folks I love them. Yes, they're very good. Everybody in this project did a great, great job. Well, anything else about this one? Not that I can think of. Yeah, I just... I So, I did think about this. 
yesterday. There's this part of my gut that I remember it came out the night we went trick or treating. <laughs> yeah, maybe it didn't. Or maybe it was on air that day and that was the time I was going to get to see it. Because I remember being like, I want to watch this and having to go trick or treating and being like, obviously, I'm going to go trick or treating and catch it later. And I think, yeah, I came back and caught the back half. Almost positive that's what happened. That's crazy. Yeah. What a world where you had to catch something. Oh, I know. Kids these days. I know. Never understand. <laughs> yeah. And I had to wait how many years for can of worms? What a beautiful wait. Ugh, disgusting. Worth the wait, baby. Putrescent. Worth the wait. All right. Well, our next movie is Horse Sense, uh, and it is the last movie of the 90s. Oh, should I say my... Uh... Yeah, what do you think it's about? Wow. Oh, man. I really think... <laughs> oh, man. It, it feels to me like it would be something similar to, like, You Lucky Dog, because... Like he's sensing the horses. <laughs> like he's like, oh, I'm so into these horses that I can like, I don't even know if it's a girl or a boy. Like I can just sense what they're feeling. I can sense things about them. Yes? Not even remotely close. <laughs> Not even a little bit close. The only thing right you had in there was that there's a horse. Yeah. That there's horses. A win for Chris. That's it. Nope, I win. <laughs> That's it. So, yeah, this one I'm really excited about. Horse sense? Yeah, I'm very, very excited about. Uh, I'm excited to be at the end of the 90s. We're at the end yeah. of the era, Jake. Yeah. Well, this one, I just, I remember it coming on frequently enough. Like, it was a Safe. middle amount. And... I liked it then, and I like it more now. You like it more now? Yes, 100%. Okay, okay I did want to hear it. 100%. I like it more now. <laughs> All right, well, join us next week for Horse Sense. Horse Sense. And the 90s are over. <laughs> Thanks for listening to DCOM Deep Dive. Be sure to check out the movie we talked about on Disney Plus or on YouTube or on Amazon. A lot of them are available for rental there. And be sure to follow us on social media where every single week, Krista edits our faces onto every DCOM poster. It's hilarious. Thanks for listening.